Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Today is Friday, January 18th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 298 featuring SB Nation's Paul Flannery is brought to you by Robinhood. Get a free stock when you sign up today at celtics.robinhood.com. Today's show also brought to you by 1 in 100. Log on to oneein100.co today. Get a free raffle ticket when you sign up. Welcome into another edition of Celtics Beat, special Friday release as opposed to the normal Sunday, so thank you for joining us early. Seas play tonight against the Grizzlies, then they'll visit the Hawks tomorrow. They're healthy, should win both, they'll probably split knowing this team, but those games, they're not the focus, and they wouldn't be Sunday either unless there's a big injury or something like that, and I hope there isn't, but why wait, right? I want to get ahead so the drama of last week, arguably all season, but especially last week, isn't lost in the shuffle with regard to this show. SB Nation's Paul Flannery is going to join us shortly, but let's get you caught up first with all the important sound from the week, much of which is available on the CLNS YouTube page, so be sure to subscribe to that. Lots and lots of C's sound constantly posted there, along with news conferences from Boston's other teams, so well worth your time. Let's go back to last Saturday, the 12th, two days after that Marcus Morris-Jalen Brown little shoving match in the huddle. Seas, of course, lost the next game in Orlando. Jason Tatum's attempt to tie the game was off the mark. Kyrie Irving was irate that he didn't get the ball for that last shot. He almost, the way he was gesturing at Gordon Hayward, kind of looked like that Spider-Man UU meme that's always out there, mirroring what LeBron looked like with J.R. Smith in the finals last year. We remember. Well, Al Horford said the team wasn't playing hard enough. Really, it hasn't been all year, and we'll get into that with Paul. Gordon Hayward called Boston's play puzzling and inconsistent. Kyrie called out the kids. you got to appreciate being out there and just competing. It doesn't matter who you're going against. It, it matters the type of preparation you have, what you're going out and uh, trying to accomplish. What's the big picture? What are we doing here? These are a lot of things that I don't think that some of my teammates have faced of just every single day. It's not easy to be great. So the things that you're doing, that you've done your whole entire career, of being able to, you know, kind of coast by in certain situations and you've gotten away with your youth and stuff like that, being on a championship ball club, you can't get away with that. Irving said he's frustrated, not comfortable sitting in the fifth seed, said there are real expectations now, not the free pass that everyone got last year while he and Hayward were out. The seeds managed to reach the conference finals, very nearly the NBA finals. Well, Monday, another loss in Brooklyn, and Irving was sidelined for that one. Jalen Brown, he had a good game and reacted to Kyrie's criticism. We're just going to have each other's back at the end of the day. We can't make comments, we can't point fingers. 
Um, we just got to continue to empower each other and have each other's back. If we, if we don't, we point, start pointing fingers. Everybody's going to go into their own little shell. We got to continue to to play basketball. It starts from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. So we got to continue to empower each other and, uh, and and make the best of this. We got we got a lot of talent and um, we know what we're capable of doing. We just got a matter of going out and doing it, playing free, playing loose, having fun. Was Jalen calling Kyrie Irving out? Yes, he was absolutely freaking calling out Kyrie, and deservedly so. But even before that, according to Irving, there was kind of a come-to-Jesus moment after the Orlando loss. And of all people, he called LeBron James, the guy he desperately wanted to escape when he forced his way out of Cleveland. He wanted leadership advice, and he sought out the guy whose leadership style totally alienated him. Kyrie talked about that after Wednesday's win against the Raptors. I trimmed it down, but Strap Bennett's still a long one. You know, I'll tell you one thing, and obviously this is something that um, it was a big deal for me because I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him, like, you know, I apologize for being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at, you know, my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that, and, you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people. And Brown was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show show us what it's like to win a championship. And it was hard for him. And uh, sometimes getting the most out of the group, it's not the easy, easiest thing in the world. And um, like I said, only few are, are meant for it or chosen for it. And, you know, I feel like the best person to call was him because, you know, he's been in this situation. You know, he's, he's been there with me where I've been the young guy of, you know, being a 22-year-old kid and, you know, wanting everything. You want everything right now. You know, coming off an of all-star year starting and then, you know, this, this heck of a presence comes back and now i got to adjust my game to this guy. And, um, you know, you take it personal, but at the end of the day, he just wants what's best. And he has a legacy he wants to leave, and he has a window he wants to capture. So I think what that brought me back to was like, all right, how do I get the best out of this group of the success they had last year? And then helping them realize what it takes to win a championship. There are a number of different ways to take those remarks. Some positive, some negative. We're going to dive into all of it with Paul, but I want you to have full context. That's why I played that as long as I did, and and that's important. As was Kyrie's continued acknowledgement that he screwed up. I did a, a poor job of setting an example for these young guys of what it's like to get something out of your teammates. And, you know, you go and you say some something publicly and, and it ends up being, re- you know, received in so many different ways. And, you know, you never know how fragile or what guys are going through. And you say things like that and you, you're expecting results. But at the same time, I should have kept it in-house. So, you know, going forward, I, I want to test these young guys, but not publicly like that. And I want to get the best out of them, but I can't do it publicly like that. And I got to empower them. You know, JB was right. I got to I got to do the right things. And, and really not point fingers at individuals and really realize what we can do as a group. I don't know why he had to publicly say he's not going to do things publicly rather than just leading behind the scenes, but maybe that was his way of attempting to put a bow on this whole saga. Obviously, time's going to tell. C's president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge, told 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston, players and really people today are just too sensitive. And basically all of this, in his view, is really, really stupid. It only becomes toxic if guys are sensitive. I remember uh, one of one of my favorite ones where Bill Walton shoved me, and I mean, I don't think I ever laughed harder in my life. He fouled out of the game. It was a triple overtime game where Jordan scored 63. And we were doing some switching. Part of our game plan, he switched on to Michael Jordan, and Jordan did a, you know, a few dribbles between his legs, drove by him, and got an and one, and it was Bill's sixth foul. And, I mean, he cursed me out, 
shoved me. I don't think I laughed ever so hard in my game in a, a pressure-packed game. Everybody's so sensitive, or they think that everybody's so sensitive. It's We live in a, a real sensitive society now, and all these things that we're talking about, uh, oh, you mean a veteran player called out the young guys? Oh, wait, a young guy stood up for himself? Uh, where is the drama? All right, you're caught up. Time to welcome in Paul Flannery, senior NBA writer for SB Nation. He's also very unlucky because by fluke of coincidence, the times that he has been kind enough to come on this show, we've had a lot to talk about with Kyrie Irving. (laughs) Paul, how are you? I'm good. I love talking Kyrie. Let's go. That's why I said yes. All right. Well, we're going to find out if that's true. Last time we chatted last season, Kyrie, of course, had that knee injury. He was on the brink of being shut down for the year. And now everyone is talking about Kyrie, the leader, after a fascinating week. And I played all the sound earlier in the show. Kyrie calling out the kids, Jalen asking that the finger pointing stop, and then Kyrie acknowledging he called LeBron for guidance. What was your main takeaway when he dropped that news? I mean, Kyrie's talking a lot about Kyrie being a leader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think yeah, you can go in this with a couple different a couple different angles. We can go through all of them. But you know, do people think Kyrie has bad intentions here, or do we think Kyrie is just mixing up his messages and is, hasn't quite figured out how he wants to be a leader? Because he definitely wants to be a leader. That's clear. He's decided, and rightfully so in this league, I'm the best player, and he is. Last year, I think you could have made a very credible case that it was Al Horford. And you notice we didn't have a lot of this leadership talk last year. When they talked about their leaders, it was, and this is after Kyrie got hurt, but it was Al Horford and Aaron Baines. It was very clearly delineated. Those are the two locker room leaders. It had been said numerous times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this year, Kyrie has asserted himself and has become their best player. And, you know, this is what I want. I want a team. I want to be the out front person. I want to be that guy. That's what I want to be. A lot of guys in this league don't want that. Kyrie wants that desperately. And he thinks he can make his impact here. And he's kind of, he's kind of tripping over his own two feet here a little bit because his messaging is wrong. It's not good. Now I'm not, so let's back this up a little bit, Adam. Sure. Is Did, did Kyrie, was he wrong in pointing the finger at the quote unquote kids? Not so much publicly, but was he incorrect in his assessment? I I think that's debatable. No, I think that's totally debatable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have not played all that well, but are they? Should they bear the full brunt of the responsibility for being a five seed when people thought they would be a sixty-five win team? I don't know. That's fair either. So where is where is the leadership thing coming from with Kyrie? Was was you know it's and the public thing was not smart. In that sense, because guys like Jalen Brown are like, "Hey, man, don't don't, don't talk that with me, right?" <laughs> so, so now he's got to back up. So, what does he do? And this is where Kyrie is awesome, in a sense, uh, because he apologizes. Great, great move, man. What uh, unbelievable, great move. And then he brings in this conversation with LeBron, and LeBron's probably sitting there going, "Like, man, don't 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 bring me into this. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> you left me. Why are you bringing me into this?" Right. And so, you know, he referenced LeBron and then now that conversation goes three different ways. You can say to yourself, wow, he's actually throwing the the young guys under the bus again. Mm -hmm. Or he's saying this didn't work with me and I got to figure out a new way to do it. So like everything Kyrie does, you know, has like a choose your own adventure element to it. It's really all about (laughs) how you perceive it. So here's the thing, though, and the on-court stuff, that's what I care about. 
Are you a leader on the court? We know Horford's a leader on the court, whether he's vocal or rah-rah, whatever, because he makes the right plays all the time. Guys like playing with him. Veteran guys like playing with him. Young guys like playing with him. He always makes the right play. Kyrie, on Wednesday against Toronto in a game I wasn't sure they could win, that was the best on-court leadership I have ever seen from him. And I will grant that I did not watch his Cavs uh, career as closely as I've watched it the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. 27 points, whatever it was, 18 assists. He made the right play, the right pass on time the whole game. He took over when he needed to take over. He didn't sort of, you know, take over in a way that was crowding everybody else out. It was perfect. That, to me, was cool, man. You are definitely the on-court leader right now. So, you know, where do we want to go with this? Well, a lot of different places. And, you know, let's right. let's start with the messaging because, like you said, he's been all over the place. And I personally – And I felt this way since he arrived, since that first press conference with Gordon Hayward. I go back and forth on whether I believe Kyrie is extremely calculated and deliberate in everything he says when he talks to the media and he's trying to send messages, or the other side where he has no filter and just rambles a lot of the time and says things because he can't help himself. Which do you think it is? Um, I think it's probably somewhere in between. I think he watched LeBron for four years. LeBron is the, the best, the expert, the master at sending messages. I mean, there's nothing that LeBron says that he doesn't mean to say, for the most part. Right. He's had to backtrack on a few things. But, like, when he's talking to the media, when he's doing the media stuff, he's absolutely on point with his messaging. I mean, it's, it's, you need your LeBron decoder ring sometimes, but from our perspective, it's awesome because he is always giving you, you know, a message. So Kyrie watched that, and he's like, okay, that's how you do it. But, you know, you got to actually think these things all the way through and you got to understand the consequences of what you're going to say. When you're LeBron, you know, even if you have some backtrack from, from your teammates or whatever, you're still friggin' LeBron. You know, <laughs> Kyrie hasn't gotten to that point yet. Right. And so I think, I think his intentions are good. He just hasn't quite figured out the communication and the messaging yet. That's my opinion. I, I could be wrong on this. We'll get right back to Paul. I want to tell you today's show is brought to you by Robinhood. Never a bad time to start thinking about your investment portfolio. And whether you're looking to buy or sell stocks, cryptos, ETFs, make sure you sign up for Robinhood. And I know markets can be complicated, but Robinhood makes everything easy for you. Robinhood's going to build you your own customized news feed right when you sign up. They sort stocks, certain ones for you in different collections like the 100 Most Popular or Social Media, Pharmaceutical. You'll learn more about it as you go along. Get started today. Sign up is extremely easy. All it takes is four taps on that phone of yours to start trading. Best part, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Keep all your profits. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So sign up at Celtics.Robin Robinhood.com. That's Celtics.Robinhood.com. Get back to the show. That's kind of where I wanted to go because, as you acknowledged, I mean, you can spin Kyrie's comments however you want. Many in the media obviously do. You can listen to him talk about the team getting a free pass last year without him and Gordon Hayward and take it to me and, oh, how cute. Good for you guys. Rather right. than looking at it as praise, you can look at his apology as a way of him saying he was young and stupid and didn't listen in Cleveland when he should have and take that to mean that. That's how he views his current teammates, which, again, like you said, another slight. So I guess it it comes back to the way you just wrapped up that last question. Is he well-intentioned? You know, do these soliloquies that he goes on all come from the right place? I mean, I'm not sure they come from the right place, but I also think that the young guys actually do genuinely like him. I mean, I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago who was like, our chemistry is awesome. 
And that was before they went on that three-game losing streak, and everybody started playing. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, it's like I think that they genuinely do like and that, you know, they kind of look up to him a little bit. I mean, he's a whatever. How many time lost there is he? He's an all-NBA player. He's He's got amazing endorsements. People really, if you look at, I mean, the all-star voting, all that kind of stuff, he's got, Kyrie has more star power than I think we acknowledge. Um, I mean, he made a movie. I didn't watch it, but he made a movie. Ah, you should. It was enjoyable. Well, okay. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. I didn't say it's good. I said it's enjoyable. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I think I think that he offers a lot to the to the young player, but we also have to back up here a little bit too because the quote unquote young players on the Celtics may be young in age, but they're not that young in maturity level. I mean, Jalen Brown was, you know, a grown up when he was fourteen. Right. And, you know, Tatum Tatum has a kid and, you know, he's I don't have much relationship with Tatum. He doesn't he kinda of keeps to himself, but like, I mean, you know, he's not a young knucklehead. Um, Rozier is so competitive. I think that gets the better of him sometimes, but Rozier is not a young knucklehead. Like these guys are not kids and calling them kids, I think is problematic. I mean, you're a dad, I'm a Mm -hmm. dad. Like at some point you realize like your kids don't like being told that they're kids all the time. (laughs) You know? Right. And you just kind of have to learn from that. But you know, I'm also 44. Like I've lived, you know, Kyrie's 26. He's figuring it out. Let's go back to something you brought up, the LeBron conversation, and and I totally agree with you. I think LeBron's reaction was, "Why are you bringing me into this?" <laughs> so, you left me, dude. Come on. So why why did Kyrie feel the need to share that he talked to LeBron and apologize? Because he didn't have to, and it almost looks, you know, more strange after that article in the Athletic comes out where LeBron seemed to make it a point to keep his version of the conversation very private. Right. I mean, well, so. Uh, you know, now you're going to ask me to read Kyrie's mind, and I, <laughs> it's I impossible. I know. You know, um, so let's all open our third eyes together and see if we can figure this out. <laughs> I mean, my general sense is that you know, Kyrie's also no dummy. He knows what moves the needle. And look, I love the NBA. I love basketball, but I also love the NBA. And sometimes those things are not always incompatible. You know, there's two sides to the NBA. There's the basketball stuff, which I love, and then there's the off-court stuff, which is overtaking the sport well there's nba and there's nba twitter basically yeah well there's all of it yeah i mean well there's the jump and there's you know there's the news cycle and there is a definite news cycle right now and the players are smart and they're paying attention and they're tapped into it they realize they can make themselves into the news cycle and that's good for business that's good for their brand now whether or not their teammates are like god you know again or if they're like okay cool like this is how you this is how you get this is how you do it this is how you make the bank you know I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta filter out a lot of stuff when you're an NBA player. You just gotta put up blinders on some stuff. So there's only a handful of guys who can move the needle, and Kyrie is definitely one of them. And you need guys like that if you're going to win championships. I think a popular question that is, or at least should be, being asked right now is: LeBron James really the type of leader Kyrie Irving should aspire to be, or the Celtics fans, or the Celtics themselves? should want him to be because we've well, always we've, yeah. you know, we've always been led to believe this is the guy that he wanted to distance himself from because of that all-encompassing shadow that he creates. But Kyrie is showing a lot of LeBron in his behavior. Well, that's why I think that um, – that's why I think the, the in-between lines messaging there was actually, I need to figure out how I'm going to do this. I mean, that might be a charitable view, but I think that was, in a sense, distancing himself from – the LeBron method. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that one. I don't know. Who the, who the hell knows? But, <laughs> um, you know, so I think, and like, I mean, 
you know, I talked to guys two years ago with Cleveland when they were the defending champs, and, man, they could not stop raving about LeBron in public, off the record, whatever, like greatest teammate, best leader, shows, leads by example. By the, by the end of last year, everybody hated each other on that team. Like, so it comes and it goes. I mean, say what you want about LeBron. He's had a pretty freaking good career. Yeah. And he, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I'll take that, and you and and you roll with it. I mean, not everybody is Magic Johnson. Not everybody is, um, you know, Kevin Garnett. I mean, it just doesn't Duncan. It doesn't work that way. It, it every the, the the star player has to figure out how they're going to lead, and you know. Well, but you got to admit, like, know. there's you know, Le, LeBron is not exactly. Nobody's doubting his career accomplishments and where he ranks in the platitude of the game and all of that. But there's. There's the element of he's not very deferential. There's a lot of I, 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 me, me, me. And I think that's the main reason because it's not like, you know, the guy doesn't have a gambling problem. He doesn't run around on his wife. He doesn't, you know, have a, a issue with alcoholism or what. I mean, he's he's charitable. He opened a school. He's a role model. Like LeBron James well, seems to be. Have I? I mean, LeBron is the king. He says I a lot. OK, he's kind of earned that. He's been the best player of his generation for a really long time. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I cannot get into a LeBron thing because he's singular in this whole entity. You go back and look at star players throughout history; they they have an eye problem, and probably for the best. Hmm. As far as Kyrie goes, as far as what you know, the kind of leader he wants to be, and if he's going to be the leader of this team in particular, it's got to be more of a collective. And I think that's the thing that has held them back this year is that they don't always play. For each other, they don't always play together, and that's not that guys are going off on their own agenda. I don't think it's that they just have not quite figured out those threads yet. I was talking to somebody the other day who said they're just not unselfish enough. I mean, I think that's kind of it. It's not that they're selfish; they're just not unselfish enough. There's one, well, uh, there are probably a few things, but one thing that jumps out to me that kind of rubs me the wrong way about Kyrie is, is in these recent comments is the insistence that everyone needs to reach his level. Yes, he's won a championship, and he had arguably the biggest shot in finals history, but as we've talked a lot about, he wasn't the best player on that team. LeBron was. He needed perhaps the greatest player of all time in order to get that ring, and it came in a seventh game. They had an historic comeback. They didn't dominate like the Warriors. He didn't join Boston from a dynasty. So do you think Kyrie has kind of an elevated self-worth? Sure he does. <laughs> He's been basketball royalty since he was 12. <laughs> I mean, he was the number one recruit in high school. He was the number one player in college. He was the number one pick in the draft. He was all. He was an all-star in his second year, whatever it was. Um, yeah, uh, why wouldn't he? I mean, as we just said, he gets movies made about him. He does movies. He does commercials. Mm. You know, I mean, why wouldn't he have a, a sense of elevated self-worth? The trick, the trick in all this, if you are this kind of person, if you are this kind of mag, in, magnetic personality, and if you're this kind of, you know, star talent, is figuring out how other people can blend into your universe in a way that makes them feel special and makes them feel secure. And so that you express your inner security. And again, he's, just 26 years old, so he hasn't quite figured that out yet. I am optimistic enough to think that he might because I think he genuinely does think about these things. I just don't think he's there yet. So I, I know you mentioned, obviously, talking to guys in that locker room ahead of that three-game skid. So 
you may already kind of have an opinion on the issue that isn't altered by what we've seen very, very recently in all these comments. But a lot of people, again, national, local, whatever, have speculated that there is a divide between vets and the younger players, again, younger in age, not necessarily, as you pointed out, in maturity. It's not something that's limited to just a few postgame comments. Is there that chemistry unity issue? Do you believe that? Yeah, right now there is, yeah. They haven't figured it out yet. But that's different than saying they can't. Um, I mean, you have three different layers of players here in their top nine. You've got three veteran free agent trade guys from different organizations. You've got three guys who were drafted and are on the rookie you know, uh, continuum of contracts. And then you've got three sort of veteran guys like Morris, Smart, and Baines. I know Smart, they drafted Smart, but he's on his second contract now, so I call him a veteran. Mm. And, you know, they're all at different points in their careers. And it's interesting that, like, you know, the Marcuses, Baines doesn't say a lot, but the Marcuses, you know, from day one have been like, hey, we got to play harder. we got to do this better, guys. Come on, let's go. And the young guys, you know, are worried about their own things, and the old guys are trying to figure it out. I do think this. More than anything, more than all of this stuff, the fact that Horford and then Baines were hurt for a significant period of time may have contributed to some of this disconnect. Because I do think that at the end of the day, behind the scenes, they are still leaders on this team. They don't care about being the out-front leader. It does not interest Horford in the slightest to be the last guy talking in the locker room, the last guy introduced. He doesn't care. That's part of what makes him such a great teammate. Baines, of course, is... You know, Baines knows who he is. He's not going to be that guy, but he's going to be behind the scenes. So I do think that having both those guys back, especially Baines, gives them a not only a different dimension on the court, but a different a different dynamic often as well. This whole experience, Paul, what's it say about Kyrie's future in Boston? I know he has said he's coming back. He's been emphatic about it, wants the number 11 in the rafters. It's been a commercial, all of that. But are you sold that his free agency this summer is just a formality, or could the season's drama alter things if it continues no, to play no, out? Never, no, sorry, nothing, nothing is ever a formality in this league. Nothing is ever, until it's signed, nothing is ever a formality. That doesn't mean I think he's leaving, but nothing is ever a formality in this league. Things change all the time. Everybody thought Paul George was going to the Lakers. Yeah. He stayed in Oklahoma City. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, nobody knows what Kawhi Leonard is doing. Ever, I, nobody knows. I don't know if Kawhi knows what Kawhi's doing yet. <laughs> And so, you know, and I'm not trying to be flippant on that. Like, I, I don't think he knows what he's doing yet. So, I, you know, I take him at his word. Um, I certainly took him at his word on October or whatever it was, 2018. But now it's 2019. So, you know, things change. Um, but so I don't believe that anything is ever a formality. Um, but I also don't think that they're on trial here either. I don't think that they're, you know, trying to build it. It's not like the Anthony Davis situation where they're trying to convince him to stay. So it just got to play out. So all that said, I believe, and I don't have a relationship with Kyrie, maybe you do, I believe just in listening to him that there's a sensitivity there. Maybe not on the the David Price level, but he's always listening. He's aware of what's being said around him, about him. You listen to Jalen, it's possible some of the younger guys at times kind of roll their eyes whenever Kyrie opens his mouth. That could potentially lead him to say, look, screw this. This isn't what I wanted when I left Cleveland. Does Danny Ainge have to worry about keeping Kyrie happy? Danny Ainge doesn't worry about anything. You guys got to know that by now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Danny doesn't worry about stuff. Danny's going to do what Danny wants to do. That was That's what makes him a great GM. I don't think he needs to worry about it. I mean, look, Danny's taking this, this tactic, and I think it's right. This is the Boston Celtics, and, you know, if you don't want to be here, fine. Most guys don't want to leave. So I don't think that he – I don't think he worries about it all that much. Um you know, does he have contingencies? Sure. You will notice that Terry Rozier is still on this team. Mm-hmm. 
and he's a restricted free agent. I mean, if Kyrie were to bounce, you would re-sign Rozier and you'd roll. Like, I mean, they already got a solution to that problem. It's not an optimal solution, but, you know, they have a solution. So, you know, um, I, I don't think he spends a lot of time worrying about it, especially not in January. I'll wrap the Kyrie portion of this conversation with this. He said he's done doing this publicly. Do you believe he is? No. Can't help <laughs> And good. And good because, hey, look, it's 2019. We need all the content we can get, man. <laughs> it's tough out here in the digital landscape. We need it. Come on, Kyrie. Don't, don't button up on us now, man. One more quick break. Today's show brought to you by 1 in 100. I'll be honest with you, even I had to look up what 1 in 100 is. So what is it? Let's say you want to go to a Celtics game. They play the Warriors later this month, or you want to go to the Super Bowl. Tickets, secondary market, they can get hilariously expensive. You want a more affordable way to go to the game? Give 1 in 100 a shot. All you do, log on to 1in100.co. That's O-N-E in the number 100.co. Click the game you want to go to, buy a raffle ticket for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Price of the raffle ticket is 100th of the price of what 1 in 100 paid for the ticket. Still confused? Let's say 1 in 100 paid $1,000 for a pair of tickets. Cost for a raffle ticket? 10 bucks. Only 100 people get to buy a raffle ticket, so you have a 1 in 100 chance to win those tickets. It's really that simple. It's the newest way to buy tickets to sporting events. Cost to potentially score some tickets is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. So score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer, okay? Your first raffle ticket, it's free after signing up. Just log on to oneien100.co. Feeling lucky? Give it a shot today. Back to Paul. Is it good Jalen Brown spoke up and sort of represented the quote-unquote kids by not so subtly firing back at him? Yeah, sure. I mean, you cannot tell Jalen. Jalen, Jalen, Jalen's got his life figured out. Like, you, you don't tell Jalen that he's being a kid. That's a, that's a bad way to go about it. <laughs> but I'll say this: I talked to Jalen extensively last around this time last year, and you know he mentioned that like Kyrie was thinking about going vegan, and that was that was an inspiration to him, and he wanted to he wanted to try it, but he was having a hard time giving up ice cream and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, I mean, like they look up to him too. You know, there is that element too. Bigger, see, older brother. Possibly. Not dad. Difference. Yeah, big distinction. We saw that throughout all the drama in Cleveland. So bigger picture. I've said a number of times my biggest issue with this team here in now late January isn't with specific players. It's not, you know, underperformances, things like that. It's it's lack of consistent effort and lack of urgency. The want, the will, the desire to win each and every night. That's always been there. You know, with very rare exception under the Brad Stevens regime, even when the team wasn't all that talented. How do you correct that? How can someone communicate the need to try harder more often, as simple as that sounds? They just got to do it. They just got to do it. I don't know. I mean, you can try different things. You know, I mean, I suppose Brad could get tougher with his minutes and yank guys out of there when they start breaking the offense. And Maybe maybe he should. I don't know. But um, I'm not coaching the team, thank God. But, um, you know, I, at some point you just got to you just got to do it. That's really all there is to it. And no, I'm with you. That to me is the biggest red light in this whole thing. The red flag is that they don't always, you know, they don't always compete and they don't always compete when it gets hard. And that to me is not the sign of a championship team. They have not earned the right to coast. The Warriors can coast. They can do whatever they want. I don't Mm -hmm. don't care what the Warriors do. They haven't earned that right. And, you know, if they think they're going to turn on the playoffs, they're going to be facing like, 
you know, Indiana or a charged-up Philly that you know, desperately wants to beat them or somebody like that, and they could have a very short stay if they don't get it corrected. So that's that's the biggest thing. The struggles and inconsistencies that this team's experienced, how much of that should fall on Brad Stevens? Look, we love the guy. He largely escapes criticism because of that fact, but he's not infallible. No. He's the coach, so he gets it. He gets the criticism. Um, you know, I mean, individual players have to play better. Coaches have to coach better. It's one of Brad's mantras. I've started sounding like him. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, When you look at the team, like everybody who watches the team every night has the same thing. Why are guys allowed to take 22-foot jump shots? You know, and there's like a handful of guys that do it, and they, you know, Sometimes he, sometimes he takes him out, sometimes he doesn't. That's one thing you can criticize, I guess. Um, some of the lineups, you know, whatever. Everyone's going to criticize lineups. I mean, Warriors have won three out of the last four championships, and the Golden State fans just kill, crucify Kerr every night on Twitter <laughs> about his lineup decisions. So that's part of it, too. Um, you know, I think I think Brad, is, his big strength has been he's always seen the big picture. And, you know, he's told me that – Every team he's had, except for last year, except for last year's team was the only one he's ever had that didn't, you know, kind of get it together, have an, have an evolutionary cycle where they struggled early and got it together. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I, would, I will still uh, ride with uh, Brad in a playoff series. I know that much. You're a rationally-minded person. You're well-informed. Sure. You're talented. You're not a hot-take guy. It's one of the things that I like about you. In your opinion – is all of this as bad as many are making it out to be? Not as bad, or is it actually worse? It's disappointing. It's frustrating. I thought this team was going to win 60 to 65 games. I actually was talking to someone the other day and kind of clapped back at me about that. He's like, why did you think that? We were never going to be that good. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people thought that. It wasn't just me. Um, so to me, I'm disappointed. And every time I refuse to buy into the notion that they've had it figured out. Um, because we've thought they've had it figured out two or three times now, and then they backslide. So to me, they're, they are suspects until proven otherwise. Did not think I'd be saying those things at this point in the season. So, yeah, I think, it's, I think, it's, I think this has been a terribly frustrating, disappointing season um, so far. So far. And they're going to put themselves behind the eight ball because they're going to get stuck in that four or five, and they're going to have three tough playoff series. So, you know. Um, they're going to, you know, they'll have some consequences to it. So I think it's, I mean, is it a disaster? No. It would, disaster would be if everybody got hurt. Is it, you know, frustrating? Yeah, it's definitely frustrating and disappointing. And, you know, I would say underachieving. Naturally, you know, the conversation is going to start to gravitate to the trade deadline. It's February 7th. It's earlier this year, so it's rapidly approaching. Should Ainge be thinking about a move? I mean, is there a potentially available name that you like for this team? No, I mean, I think the, the more likely scenario is they would try to investigate. They try to clear a roster spot and then try to investigate something on the buyout market, mm. which is what a lot of teams are going toward now. I mean, nobody wants to give up assets at the trade deadline. That's why it's really hard to make a deal. Um, we all know they can't do anything big, and they don't want to do anything big to save their save their stuff for an Anthony Davis situation um, in whenever, whenever that comes due. Um, so I, I don't think there's anything to – there's, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there they should really target. However, if the right thing came along for one of their guys that would help them now and in the future possibly, then I think they would listen. But I don't think they're going to be dealing first-round picks. I mean, you know, they don't really need – I guess they don't really need anything. They just need the guys they have to play better. 
So let's try to end this thing on a positive. Boston's healthy. The win over Toronto was awesome. Kyrie was phenomenal. Hayward had a terrific first half. Al Horford looked healthy, played one of his better games of the year. Everyone was reminded of what I scream all the time, which is how important Aaron Baines is. Did that win tell you anything about where this team is going in the standings? I know you said, you know, they're they're sort of guilty until proven otherwise, but that one yeah. win was it an indicator of anything for you? Um, yeah, no, I thought it was a I thought it was a really impressive win. They've had some other good ones this year, but I never felt like I mean they beat Toronto and Milwaukee earlier this year, and in both of those games Kyrie had to go supernova in order to get it done. <laughs> he, I mean, he was awesome, but he didn't have to go supernova. He still played within the flow of the offense and got everybody involved. That to me was a huge, huge, huge sign. And you know, look, they got down ten points early, and they could have they could have just folded, and the bench brought him back. So that game showed me a lot. So now you got Memphis, and Memphis is wounded, but Memphis has talent. You know, beat Memphis. You got a back-to-back with Atlanta. Atlanta's frisky. You know, they really are. They're playing really well. Beat them. Come home, take care of Miami, take care of Cleveland, and play Golden State next Saturday on a five-game winning streak on national television. Remind everybody how good you are. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see four out of five. I want to see five out of five. Well, talent's there. The ability's there, and most of all, they're healthy. Nobody on the injury report going into that Memphis game. Hopefully they can go out and do it. I've kept you long enough and plenty of Kyrie talk to to keep people entertained as well. Paul Flannery, SB Nation senior NBA writer, and uh, the league is only getting more interesting as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. We'll get you on uh, again here soon, Paul. I appreciate it. All right, Adam. Thanks a lot. Great stuff once again from Paul, and uh, a lot of opinions there on Kyrie Irving, and I'm with him. I I don't think this is done by a long shot when it comes down to the talking publicly about how he needs to be better, Kyrie, of course, that is, and uh, what direction he would like to take these things. There is, in that way, a lot of the I, me, LeBron stuff in him, whether you like it or not, and uh, not all the way at LeBron level. Paul makes some good points as to why that's okay. I don't necessarily fully agree with all of them, the level to which it seems like Kyrie is is escalating, but we'll judge things for where they are right now. And how problematic are they? Time will tell. See what the comments bring in the next week. And most importantly, like Paul said, this upcoming stretch is going to be very important. Wins and losses matter. It goes without saying, but it's not all about the 15 guys, 12 guys united. It's A lot of it's the win-loss column as well. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Special on a Friday. Thanks to Paul, to uh, Evan, to Nick, to Larry, to John, everybody at CLNS Media, and, of course, to you for joining us. You can get me on Twitter. Always interested in engaging with you. Keep me entertained, guys. At Adam M. Kaufman. And uh, subscribe on iTunes at Celtics Beat. Find us on Stitcher. Leave comments, ratings on iTunes, all of that stuff. Again, the show brought to you by Robinhood. Get a free stock when you sign up today at Celtics.RobinHood.com. Today's show also brought to you by 1 in 100. Log on to O-N-E-N-1-0-0.co today. Get a free raffle ticket when you sign up. All right, Gino, get us out of here. Hey, sports fans, I'm Coach Nick of the B-Ball Breakdown podcast on the CLNS Media Network. I break down the NBA from a coach's perspective and have some of the best basketball minds join me weekly to discuss the latest NBA news and what's truly going on on the court. Subscribe to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on clnsmedia.com. It's a great conversation. You in?